Independent. Expressive of a spirit of independence, self-confident, unconstrained. Hello, happy Independence Day from Independence Day. My name is Joe Armstrong, and you are listening to the show that examines the changing face of the music business and the people who are doing the changing. Independence Day brings you independent artists, producers, and music industry visionaries with in-depth interviews, live performances, and inside information, all without hype and direct from the artists who practice their craft. This week on Independence Day, Dan Frechette and Laurel Thompson. Dan Frechette and Laurel Thompson each had independently successful careers in music long before they met. Frechette was a Canadian folk singer who logged thousands of miles a year, playing his 1,300-plus original songs and writing hit singles for bands like The Ducks and others. Classically trained violinist Laurel Thompson had built a reputation as a go-to player for ensembles ranging from full symphonies to singer-songwriters, as well as teaching lessons all over the world via Skype and hosting the popular Violin Geek podcast from her home in California. Dan first heard Laurel's playing on YouTube by happenstance, and the pair started collaborating remotely. Dan would send Laurel songs via email, and she would overdub parts and send them back. Dan loved the accompaniment Laurel added to his songs, and Laurel found Dan's songs to be richly diverse musical gems with enough harmonic space for her to contribute. Their phone discussions about music involved into long discussions about life, and their friendship grew. After three albums of remote collaboration, the pair decided to see if their chemistry worked in person, and they scheduled a set of tour dates in California, hitting the stage for the first show less than 24 hours after meeting face-to-face for the very first time. Their connection was palpable and immediately evident to both the pair of performers and their audience, and Frechette and Thompson have been a duo ever since, logging over 130 concerts in 2013 alone. Perhaps unsurprisingly, their musical partnership blossomed into a romantic one as well, and on the rare occasions when they're not on the road, Frechette and Thompson both call California's beautiful Central Coast home. Dan and Laurel have a brand new album called New Disguise, and they continue to maintain a relentless live performance schedule. Welcome to Independence Day, Dan Frechette and Laurel Thompson. Hey, friends. Hi. Hey, Hello. new friends. How are we? Very good. Great. And you are, you are comprised of names Dan Frechette and Laurel Thompson. And you guys are from very disparate places in the world. You guys didn't grow up in the same town. You're relatively new-backed, or a band, I should say, duo is what you are. Um, I'm sure like the, the genesis story of every band is kind of like the lowest brow question to ask any band ever first. But tell me, I want to find out how you guys met, but tell me a little bit first um, what were your lives like before you started playing together musically? Because you guys were, you know, pretty far along in your careers, and neither one of you can take this question first. Okay, you go first. <laughs> um, so, let's see. I I started off with a classical background and was going towards a classical music career, but I wasn't entirely happy with that. And at some point in my early twenties, decided to take the route of well, I'll just sort of see what happens. And and I had been teaching since I was a teenager and have continued to do that and uh, was starting to play with different bands and do studio work with singer-songwriters. And at one point, actually a couple of years before Dan contacted me, uh, I had had a singer-songwriter from Canada contact me. And at the time, I wasn't quite prepared to go out on the road and tour with her. But um, about the time Dan actually contacted me, I had gotten to the point where I had been with all of these singer-songwriters and bands around the Monterey, Santa Cruz, and um, San Francisco Bay areas, and was thinking, gosh, if, if someone like that person would just contact me now, then I would be totally ready to just okay. jump in 
And uh, and then it was about actually a week later, I think Dan sent me a message. <laughs> okay. Now let's back up just a tiny yeah. little bit, though. You're talking violin. Yes. You, now, you, were you singing as well along with these things not, or just maybe here and there? Not really. I wasn't really singing at all. Uh, I mean, I did when I was really little in choir at school and stuff like that. Yeah. And... Uh, you know, they would put me as one of the lead people because I could keep the pitch. But yeah, I didn't really think about it much. It was just sort of something violin. that, yeah, it was all it was all violin along the way. Viola came in, uh, and that was mostly just because I was getting viola students saying, "Hey, I want you to be my teacher." And uh, yeah, pretty much just really driven classical stuff. How many hours a day were you one of those like Suzuki players or were you one of those people who like woodshedded for like 12 hours a day when you were a kid? <laughs> I started off with, with a Suzuki type thing. I don't really know how much I practiced uh, when I was a kid because I, I really enjoyed practicing and I would have my violin open in its case in my room and I would go and pick it up and play it for a while and put it down and come back later. And I would do that all through the day. And and I was homeschooled at, at one point okay. for a few years. So that made it really easy to practice a lot. And, yeah, definitely. And uh, then when I was getting more into uh, doing competitive orchestra situations and auditions and stuff, then, you know, I was trying to watch the clock a little bit more and put in my time. But yeah, I don't know. I've always felt that quality over quantity is, is what's really important. So. Yeah, definitely. And now, Dan, take me up to the same point without going over it. Like you were... You're a Canadian singer-songwriter, yeah. Yeah, and you pretty much had your own established career, right? Yeah, I was playing like a mixture of folk and bluegrass and blues uh, since I was like about 12. And then I started making records when I was about 17. And uh, I had a deal with a publisher called EMI when I was 17, writing songs. And then uh, that was something that didn't last forever, but it was something I did for my early 20s. And then I wound up going into some roots rock bands around Winnipeg. And uh, I think what it was really a, a great experience when I started getting into touring and playing uh, solo house concerts and going around playing a lot of places at listening rooms and that and some fe smaller festivals. And, 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 you know, I, I always like playing, I always like playing music yeah. uh, so much. Like it's just my, it's my thing, but yeah, the, the, the combination of all the instruments that I, I used to play, I, I've sold them all. Um, I decided I wanted to make my life simple again. But I used to play mandolin, uh, banjo, ukulele banjo, Dixieland banjo, uh, bass, and you know, and all that. Now I'm just back to harmonica, guitar, and a bit of slide guitar here and there. I was just playing so much of every kind of instrument, every kind of music, and making all the records and overdubbing myself and releasing them and uh, independently and going on little tours to support them, you know, record by record. And so were you just kind of touring around in your car, like that kind yeah, of situation? Yeah, Toyota Corolla. Now, were you, because there's, there's difference, like touring in Canada, uh, is where, I mean, were you doing dates in the States as well? Or, yeah, there was some. Sometimes there's weird things with crossing the border as an artist. Yeah, but... Like the, there's weird the, forms you've got to fill out. And well, they, it's called a, a, like you have to fill out a, a P2 visa. So I was getting P2 visas and going through the border, and I never had any problems. But it's just, um, you know, touring, it was more about back then. I think it was more difficult because you had to book way further in advance to go right. to play the U.S. And now it's not so bad. But um, I was doing these, like, long tours that went all the way down to West Virginia and, go, like, from Winnipeg, right? Completely driving. by yourself? Yeah. And I had no cruise control. 
Oh man. <laughs> yeah, it's funny even, for the day. Well, to this day I'm walking around, you know, and sometimes I feel it in my right foot, you know, I feel like, oh, there's that 200,000 miles. <laughs> and you can feel this like slight ache in my foot from all that. Yeah. Yeah. Pedal the metal, you know. Well, as they say, it's not the years, it's the miles, right? Yeah. Anyway, I'm talking with Dan Frechette and Laurel Thompson. They're a duo based in Santa Cruz, California these days. But Dan is from way up there in the plains of Canada. He's been at this a long time. She has two, but they just started playing together just a handful of years ago. And they make really, really beautiful music together. Let's give a little bit of a listen to this. This is a track from their first record. It's a song called Going Out on My Own, Dan and Laurel on Independence Day. off for a while 
When I'm leaving, won't you call my name? Tell me you will see me on my way. Cause I don't want to feel afraid. Go Joe Armstrong, you're listening to Independence Day, and thank you for doing so. Drop by indepday.com, I-N-D-E-P-D-A-Y.com. Also visit this week's artist, Dan and Laurel, which are comprised, it's comprised of Dan Frechette and Laurel Thompson. They are danandlaurel.ca. Is that like, that's a Canadian website type yeah. thing? Yeah. A little story to that one. Yeah, why don't you tell <laughs> it? Uh, well, we were, you know, of course, when we first started, we thought, well, let's go and get danandlaurel.com, you know. And we went and we found out that there was like a, com is a photo of a stork carrying a baby. Oh, an image. It's, it's a park oh, site, essentially. So parked so, on someone, I guess, who is waiting. Yeah. Or And then we contacted <laughs> them a number of times, and we've offered them money. And even and it's just like they don't, they don't want to give it up. So we took .ca. And some people laugh because it's like, well, we're in California now, so it's... Yeah. It's funny. All the people California. in California think, oh, that's for California, right? <laughs> yeah. I would just lie and tell them that that was the case because yeah, sure. then they'll go off it's on a wild goose It's the same population as Canada anyway. Well, so. yeah. <clears throat> we kind of... Um, we could say, you know, whatever you want to remember, Canada, California, you yeah. know, it covers both of us here. So it yeah. actually it works pretty well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so we, a little bit ago, we heard, uh, we heard a little bit about kind of your story, like leading up to the point where you two met. But now, now bring me to that point, because it seems to be, you know, you guys really do make really nice music together. So that's kind yeah. of the whole point behind. It would have to have been kind of a strong meeting for two people who already had careers doing their thing to decide to, like they say in Spinal Tap, you know, join up. And like mm-hmm. they change your whole thing to being a thing where it's not just, you know, Dan, you doing your solo tour or Laurel, you going out and supporting whomever as a songwriter. Uh, what was so strong about this meeting that made you think you should do this together? Oh, it was really powerful. It was a cathartic thing when I first heard her on YouTube and I listened to her violin and I, I was, it was almost like some kind of a, you know, those moments where you, you just like flash, a blinding flash. And that's what happened. It was like I just thought, there's something about this person. And my gut was screaming at me to contact her and talk about, you know, how much I love her music. Because uh, the interesting thing about us, I think, uh, initially, is we, we didn't meet in person. We met. I found Laurel. There was a YouTube video of Laurel. And she was playing in a band in the, in the video. And I, th- I looked at the thumbnail on the YouTube video, and I thought it was a friend of mine. She looked just like this friend I have in B.C., and, uh, That's British Columbia to yeah, you Americans. British Columbia. <laughs> so she looks a lot like her, and, I, and she was holding a fiddle, like, and, and my friend plays fiddle. So I thought, oh, it's her. And I clicked on the video, and it wasn't her. But this, this Laurel Thompson, I was like, wow, she's a really good, really good violinist. And her, her tone, intonation, and all that is perfect. And I thought, you know, there'd be nothing I'd like to hear more than what it would sound like to have someone playing violin that like that on the songs so i sent her a message and in cyberspace when you send to strangers they usually don't get back to you but she wrote me back the next day or the same day even and that was back in may 2012 and uh yeah we just started being friends and making it's funny we actually made music virtually first really like what i do like one time like there's this dropbox site right 
where you put you could put huge files. So I have my entire discography on there of like all twenty five albums I've made up on Dropbox. You wait, 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 wait. You have twenty five albums yeah, worth of material. It's it's all MP3s on Dropbox. Lord Almighty. Three twenty MP3s because I don't want it to be, you know, low quality. But um, I sent them all to her and I said, Yeah, I just would love to hear what you think of my music. And she really liked this one album called Lucky Day that I made back in two thousand five, and she said. Yeah, that's a really good record. Um, well, that was the first one you sent to me. He kind of like doled it out over time. I think yeah. he didn't want to overwhelm me with, here's 25 albums. 25 <laughs> albums. I mean, that's quite, I mean, that's some artists, <laughs> like twice some artists catalog. Yeah, there's a lot of records I made, especially in 2012. I was really busy in my own studio. And You're I like had... Duran Duran. <laughs> you release an Actually, album like every six months. If you want to have a that laugh, year, you if you released have what a, ten albums yeah, in that year? No, twelve. Wait, wait, wait. He was wait, insane. <laughs> How is that even possible? I I wound up doing double CD release parties in different venues in Winnipeg. I did four the, double CD release parties. No, are these all <laughs> like basically you and a guitar, or no. they full production? It's quite a few are full bands. Yeah, and I had friends. He had one. He's got one called Woman. That when do you sleep? I was spending. <laughs> 90% of my time, I mean, when you're in Winnipeg and it's over the winter, it's like you're not going to go out much. I was spending most of my time just, uh, actually, a lot of my 20s were spent buying, selling, and trading gear. So I, by the time I got to the point where I was talking to Laurel, I had a, a bedroom that was like a music store, and it was all left-handed left -handed musicians. Yeah, so yeah. I had left-handed everything. Left-handed CD player, yeah. left-handed pens, But it's all gone now. Comb. I sold it all because I realized, I was like, wow, this is so overwhelming, and I could sit here on this yoga ball and record another 20 albums because I've written 1,300 songs. And I thought I could, I could do this. But then I thought, you know, I feel like I want to start playing with other people. And that's where Laurel came in, um, having someone to tour with, being by myself on the road for, for thousands of kilometers, you know. And, or miles. Yeah. Or miles. And driving <laughs> and listening to my iPod, my iPod Classic through like three times in a row and going, you know, I I would love to share this experience with somebody, yeah, you yeah. know. And so when I started talking to Laurel, it was probably a few months after we started talking that she had started saying how her band in in uh, Monterey and Santa Cruz was starting to fizzle out. And I thought, you know, hey, what would you think about us touring together? Because I'd come to California. I was already booked in California back in 2006, but then my father passed away and I canceled all the shows because I was depressed. And... uh so Laurel was really, uh, you know, like she'd already, oh yeah, I was going to tell you about this situation because when we were playing music virtually, we couldn't do it uh, online in real time. But what I'd do is send recordings of me playing all her favorite songs on just guitar and vocal. And I didn't think anything of it. And then about, I think it was about a month later and it was minus 30 and I'm sitting in my room and I'm depressed. And all of a sudden I get this Dropbox notification saying Laurel Thompson has added where the water tastes like wine or no, it was Mandolino Waltz. Mm -hmm. Mandolino Waltz with violin and vocal has been added to your Dropbox. I'm like, what's that? And I click <laughs> on it and she had overdubbed her violin and vocal onto that song. And I sat and listened and went, this is awesome. It was really a big moment and it made my whole day. Like she kept sending song after song every day. And it would just make my day, you know. Yeah, he started and, off with sending me about twenty songs that that I thought I wanted to to start to work out something for, and too. and yeah. we had this intention of of him coming down to California and and doing a tour 
together. And so when he sent me all these rough tracks, I thought, well, that's cool. I'll, I'll just practice along with them. But then I really wanted to make sure that he was happy yeah. and I was, I had the right vibe. And for the most part, um, it seemed like everything I was coming up with, I was making his day every single yeah. day. So then it's just like that fed me wanting to do it did more you ever and more. Like, uh, did you ever like screw with him a little bit? <laughs> like it would have been so much fun to like just do some a like take a song and do some crazy atonal like scratching <laughs> on the strings and say well, there, there I came up one. with this awesome idea for no. this song you gotta hear this all right I'm, I that's that's just my sense there of humor. was one but, that, but hold on Dan before oh. you jump in I want you guys to play a live song here because that's half okay. of the, half of this what's going sure. on here so what's this first song you're gonna play this is uh, Saturday night we'll be rocking and this is from the new record yes it's one that Dan recorded on another album with kind of like a Latin he did a Latin okay. reggae album and but I. I listened to it and I was like, I just really want to play on this song. And it's okay. it's very different than anything else we really are playing right now, but yeah, yeah. it's just fun. So Yeah, yeah. Well music is is everything at once and it's whatever you've been doing your whole life. It's all of that stuff mixed together. So let's hear this. This is Dan Frechette and Laurel Thompson with a song from their brand new record, which the record will be called New Disguise, just came out. Uh, and this is the song Saturday Night Will Be Rocking. The song is entitled Saturday Night Will Be Rocking with a G on the end. One, two, three, one. This stuff is meant to be forever A world I found in your song If your song played forever I'd find the world to sing along Take my life forever I'll let it shine until I'm gone And I won't speak of pain I'll dream of times that we shone Saturday night we'll be rocking Keep me warm enough With my lullaby angel in this rough Rough and tumble world we never get enough Of each other Comfort you, sing away your pain. Sometimes I need it too. Life can be a guessing game. Take my life forever. I let it shine until I'm gone, and I won't speak of pain. I'll dream my happiness away. Saturday night will be rocking, keep me warm enough With my lullaby angel in this rough, rough and tumble world We never get enough of each other na 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 Love me lost, love me lonely 
Your world, it won't be denied Hold your dreams forever In the sky where they can't hide We'll find happiness through thunder No matter how we wander on Take my life forever And this darkness it rests upon Saturday night we'll be rocking Keep me warming up With my lullaby angel in this rough Rough and tumble world we never get enough Of each other Saturday night we'll be rocking Keep me warming up With my lullaby angel in this rough Rough and tumble world we never get enough Of each other My name is Joe Armstrong. Thanks for listening to Independence Day. Drop by indepday.com and check out Dan and Laurel, this week's guest, as long as hundred, well over 100 of other guests that I've had on there, and I'm proud to bring you each and every one of them. They're all good people, at least for the most part, except for those people that I know. They owe me money. <laughs> bastards. Uh, Dan and Laurel, they're based in Santa Cruz, California these days, but they're... Um, their lineage goes much farther back than that. Dan, I just found out, has like 25,000 albums and 10 million <laughs> songs that he's been writing his whole life. So, But they got together virtually, which is kind of a really, really interesting thing to talk about on this show because technology is one of the ways that our, our business has changed so drastically in the last 10 years or so. So you guys, how long was this thing with the virtual sending songs back and forth? How long did that period last? Well, we, I mean, he sent that first message to me on May 22nd 2012. <laughs> and um, we we didn't really start doing the virtual recordings, I would say, until late November 2012. Okay, so like six months later. Yeah. In August of that year, we started kind of talking about this idea of actually meeting. And um, and then, yeah, by by late uh, November, we, we actually kind of met on Skype and started becoming friends uh, that way. And then it was about that time that we started saying, hey, let's actually make a date and let's uh, book this tour for March. We should come down in March and... And then that kind of got the the fire going for us to to see what we would really sound like, right, you know. Right, right. And and it was kind of weird too with the with the P two visas and stuff that he would have to get in order to come right, down. Right. Um, one of the requirements was that he would have to play his first show within twenty four hours of coming into the states. Okay. And so that also sort of gave us that impetus to well, let's let's make sure that we're polished before we even play together because we're right. not going to even have time to rehearse. Right. Right. We're right. just going to go and like hit the stage. And then we did. We we played yeah. our first show within hours. that twenty four hour time frame of so was, actually picking him up at the airport. It was about a year later, mm-hmm. thereabouts, that you actually between. So had you ever been even in the same room? No, up to mm-hmm. that point. But you'd had a lot of correspondence. Yeah, we hung out interwebs. a lot on on Skype and were you know certainly towards the end of when we were actually going to meet we were kind of ramping up and and uh, we were both booking the tour all ourselves and okay. promoting it all ourselves so we had a lot of contact we were spending right, hours right, right. you know but yeah we'd never actually 
physically met. So that actually in and of itself was yeah. very interesting to finally be in the same room, in this case, the airport in, in San Jose. Yeah. yeah. Like you got to tell me about that moment because like you've been <laughs> building up this, this thing for like a year. Like obviously you know what each other looks like. You've seen mm-hmm. pictures and you've been, you've been corresponding back and forth and sending tracks and like musically, obviously you had an idea that it would probably work because you know, you're sending, he's sending you tracks, you're sending him tracks and there's harmonies and like music is yeah. the language that, you know, it just works. Right. Yeah. But then like, there's this whole like pheromone thing. Like when you meet somebody, you don't know, like, I feel like there's just certain people. I like almost everybody on the planet, almost everybody I've ever met. I love people, but every now and again, like even me, like this, what I consider to be like kind of an affable guy, mm-hmm. like I'll run across them and like, there's something about There's just that something guy. weird. Yeah, it's, it's vibes. And I, was, and, were you nervous about that kind of thing? It must have been kind of scary. Well, my mom was a little bit nervous at first. She's like, what are you doing? Like, do you, <laughs> Can I see a photo of he's this Canadian. guy? Like, yeah. I think that's what I said, actually. With their shifty eyes. What's that he's thing? Canadian. I think he's actually pretty nice. But then she saw his... Okay. Uh, I, I, told her what his website was and she went there and it's ramblingdan.com by the way <laughs> so dan your, your mom approved and yeah. um yeah. and oh, yeah. so so yeah so she was like okay that's cool and actually um one time i i had taken my laptop to my parents house and was just hanging out there and and dan and i had jumped on skype and then my parents got to meet him and then they were cool and i got to meet his mom on skype and stuff and so we were all par- parent okay. approved but Meeting in the airport, I mean, I think for me, I don't know about Dan, but for me, there's definitely, you know, I think a pheromone thing and a smell thing and a height thing. And like, I didn't know any of these things about this person, you know? And so I was a little bit like, yeah, this is Dan, the guy that I thought I knew on the internet, but then there's always some differences that you, you know, you just can't get that way. And I've been teaching a lot of students over Skype. Like I pretty much have my whole teaching studio on Skype now. And that's been the case since about... 2000 what 2009 I kind of moved towards that that realm um, with the intention of being able to tour and take my students with me but I'd never actually met any of those students so he was the first person I was ever meeting that I had only known on Skype and since then it's been cool because we've actually gone and met some of my students and it's the same with them too where it's like I think I know them but then there's little subtle things that you know you just don't quite get until you really have people in the same room together Okay, Dan, so you're walking out of the plane. Yeah. And you see her. Like, well, tell me your side of this. She's been telling me what she thinks about having seen I you rem- for the first time. I remember it was a really, uh, I don't know, like, you know, like when, when you, you know you're making your own kind of history, this historic moment where I just felt like it was really powerful. And then we looked at each other and we, we went back to her car and we're like sitting in the car looking at each other and going, wow, I've never seen her feet before. Yeah. Hey, look, <laughs> she has feet. <laughs> yeah. I've never seen, you know, anything like it's yeah. just so cool to be in this space with her. And uh, I was really nervous. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, understandably so. Like, well, think I, about it. I mean, it's, it's kind of like an internet date. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A little you know, because yeah. you correspond for a really long time, a year. I think what yeah. I was most excited about was just to get back to her place and play some music because we okay. were right away, I think within a very short amount of time, we were already jamming. And I think we jammed for a couple hours and yeah. it was really great. It was playing song. And the weird thing is the most insane experience of it all was we almost felt like we were in sort of like a Dan and Laurel cover band. Okay. It was almost like we're sitting there playing these songs that we knew through the internet 
and that we'd, we'd heard right. through the internet. And we'd been and sharing them with our, them you know, with our friends together. and mailing lists and Facebook and stuff and kind of gearing up for this. And so people were already sort of our fans, but we hadn't even met yet, which was yeah. very strange. And then we're actually playing these songs and realizing that, wow, it's like we've been playing them for years, yeah, but yeah, we've yeah. never actually played them before. This is so strange. Yeah, so it like was, the second time we played the song. It was all pretty mind-boggling. And, yeah. and, um, but... But it all felt very familiar at the same time that it felt very strange and like, yeah. what am I doing? Is this really my life right now? <laughs> so let's let's uh, let's play another song here in the uh, live song in the uh, Independence Day World Headquarters, which we've got you've okay. got instruments here now. Yeah. So like you've been playing together now for a couple of years ish. Yeah, yeah. So let's hear what that sounds like. And you know, we've heard one before. It was really really great. What's the next song going to be? This is uh, the Beauty Doesn't Know, and this is one that that I wrote the lyrics to, and then Dan saw it as a poem that I'd written. I said, I don't know, can you do anything with this? And then he immediately started coming up with uh, with some guitar chords and melodies came came out of that. So it's it's a co-write between us and one of our one of our first ones actually and it's gonna all be right. on the new CD. Too. All, it's a very different experience when you're co-writing as opposed to when you're yeah. writing by yourself. Indeed. All right, Dan and Laurel once again on Independence Day. Here's a song called The Beauty Doesn't Know. Say it's hard to fly, but my feet don't touch the ground Would you root my wings, watch me tiptoe to my dreams You say we can't know the future, but my eyes have seen the sunsets Painted between heaven and earth I know this day is a masterpiece Because the beauty doesn't know The rose from the weed The man from the babe The storm that shakes the trees The beauty doesn't find A road painted black But a wild horse charging me home You say that nothing lasts But my vision burns your sight Would you see me clear and battle a different fight? You say that love's a duty, but my days have seen the comfort of warm hearts holding space. And know that love will always be because the beauty doesn't know the rose from the weed, the man from the babe, the storm that shakes the trees. The beauty doesn't find a road painted black, but a wild horse charging me home. Hold tight. Lose rain All of your might Hold tight All of your dreams All of your light It's all right
My name is Joe Armstrong. Thank you for listening to Independence Day. Tonight's guests, Dan Frischette and Laurel Thompson, a Canadian and a Californian.ca for the both of them. They are a duo, and they make really, really beautiful music, especially that song. I really like that, because you said, with your 20 million records, yeah. and Dan, I'm talking to, and Laurel, you worked with a lot of different people. Were you writing on your own before you met Dan? Were you actually writing songs? It's different with violin. It was interesting because right around the time, he really inspired me actually to start writing. And I turned 30 um, in February 2012. And there was something, I don't know if it was like a Saturn return thing or something that people talk about, like it's a new phase. But I felt like this very strong urge to sort of make my own destiny and not just sort of flow along anymore, right. which I'd been doing and it had been working out pretty well for the most part. And I, you know, was able to be a full-time musician slash teacher slash magazine writer and like all music stuff. But I hadn't really said, I want to do this and gone after it um, in any particular areas of my career. So, so I turned 30 and then I felt like, okay, I want to make my own CD. I want to write my own music. Like I was kind of getting tired of just being an accompanist to other people's stuff. And I felt like, like I had written stuff before, but I'd never really taken it to completion where I was really performing it. So about the time that he came in there, um, maybe a few months before I started writing songs that I actually intended to perform and the band that I was with at that point, I started presenting it to them. And that's when I started singing as well. And um, just taking a little bit more of a, you know, kind of a, I'm creating my own life sort of a um, stance in, in my career. So, so yeah, I'd, I'd written some songs and, and uh, then he came along and with all of his hundreds and thousands of songs, 25 like, million, I think. Is what yeah. We 25 million. We've Through decided the course of on this that. Interview, it's it's going to just keep going up and up. And yeah, up. There by, you the, go. by the end of the, the end of this interview, you will have written all the songs ever. Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. Actually, he often says like, gosh, I'd trade like 300 of my songs for that one song by that yeah. other person. Yeah. <laughs> I think we all feel like that sometimes, yeah. but, um, but yeah, so, so then he was very inspiring to me to, to actually go out there and, and I made an EP, um, around the time that we started talking about touring and, and that was important to me. I wanted to have something that I could kind of stand behind and say, this was me before Dan Frechette. <laughs> yeah. Well, let so me ask I you did this. that and, and, um, you know, it's, it's been sort of progressing since then, but, but, as uh, a, as yeah. a violin player though, when you, mm-hmm. did you, cause violin is, you don't think about that as being, uh, an accompanying instrument to your own songs. In other words, mm-hmm. it's more of a, uh, a complementary instrument. Someone else plays guitar or piano or in a, like a comping type instrument and then you right. play your violin on top of that. So did you learn, I guess here's my question, what I'm getting at. Did meeting him save you from having to learn to play guitar to accompany yourself on songs? Or did you <laughs> learn an instrument like guitar or piano or were you already tinkering with that to then write songs? Well, I, I started off playing piano when I was really little okay. and played that for a few years. Then I found the violin and that pretty much put an end to the piano. because like I was or something, right? Yeah, because I was just so much more inclined towards the violin. It seemed to suit my personality so much more. But when I was starting to think about creating this EP, I started getting back to the piano, which I'd kind of done along the way. Like I'd had to do some of that in college classes and stuff. But 
um, yeah, I was trying to figure out the chords so I could, I could figure out the chords, but I couldn't really accompany myself. And right. that wasn't really what I was thinking I would eventually do. Although I think about the time that Dan and I finally started talking on Skype, I, I was complaining a lot about, it's like, why, why don't I just play the guitar? Like, I wish I could actually do that because I think I was trying to get other people, um, that I, that, that I was already playing with in, in Santa Cruz and the Bay area and stuff to, to get behind my songs and want to right to take them on and, and come up with an arrangement. And, and I, I very quickly realized that not everyone was going to like every single song that I did. And, right. you know, so I pitched some of the songs to the band that I was playing in and in some of the songs they liked and some of them were like, yeah, no, this isn't really my taste. It's a good song and everything like they were, they weren't, you know, just cutting me off completely. But, you know, just, I realized that I would have to either, yeah, learn to play guitar by myself or, um, find someone that for the most part would just go along with whatever I wanted to do. <laughs> and then this sucker walks into the room <laughs> virtually. That's a really big thing for an artist um, is, you know, when you're the writer, you know, when you have a band is to, you know, just like you said, when you pitch the songs to the band and if you're like the only writer in the band, which is every band I've ever been in, you know, I would actually prefer there to be more one more than one writer in the band. It kind of lightens the load and I like different con contributions, but I've been that guy for better or for worse. And they're just not going to like certain songs, mm -hmm. and like that might. And, and the thing that sucks is that might be the song that really resonates the most with you out of like your batch of ten songs you've come up with. You know, I've certainly had that where it's like, man, this song's really important to me, and the bass player's like, eh, yeah, I don't care. Yeah, you know, it's a tough thing to swallow. Well, I think what's really worked with us is Dan has so many songs, and he's not forty million that forty million songs, and he's not that um, stuck on any of them. Right. Like in my experience it's mostly me who will sift through them. And this year he did a crazy thing since he was in the process of immigrating down to the States and he couldn't work or play music or leave the house or do anything. <laughs> what do they quarantine you? <laughs> yeah, like it's it. almost that bad. It's like if his, if uh, this nurse in what Flin Flon, Manitoba hadn't come across his vaccination records, then he would have had to get all the vaccinations again <laughs> as I, a 30 something person. But yeah, um, I, I was bored and, and I'm sitting there and I'm going, what am I going to do with myself for how long this is going to take and you're not going to know exactly how long it takes to uh, go through the process get the paperwork in order documents and all that that you can just you know so anyway i wound up recording every song i've ever written on chronologically Dan, Dan for shut songbook <laughs> since since 1990 and i just went through i had basically i photographed all my songbooks all the lyrics and chords and i called them up on my computer and was banging them out one by one and I did four, 300 videos, and they're all 20, 20 so minutes long, and four songs per video. And it's just like an unbelievably amazing process to go through. This is the second time I will have asked this question in an interview, but when do you sleep? <laughs> I, I, I do sleep. I, you know what? It has slowed down a lot. Or do, um, are you actually physically able to play in your sleep that you're like laying there and. and it's interesting you say that because I believe a lot of songs and things are learned in the sleep. Like if you wake up in the middle of the night, sometimes you have a song in your head. Often you're just, you're actually memorizing that song. I think it's a subconscious thing. It's yeah. a process that I believe yeah. in. Yeah. So, yeah. So he went through all of those songs. And so, I mean, I wasn't sitting there watching him record his whole all the songs he's ever written, but 50 million. Songs. It's like from the other room, maybe between teaching students or, you know, making a soup or whatever, I'm hearing certain songs and, and, and I would, I don't know. It's like, we just gravitate towards certain songs. Maybe there's like a little lyric hook or some interesting words or just, 
you know, I can, for me, it's like, I either hear a violin melody oftentimes or I don't. It's like, yeah, that's not really a violin song, you know? Yeah. But there would be certain songs along the way that that I would say, oh, I really want to do that song. And from his albums that he's already made, you know, these are the songs I really want to do. And he's been pretty much like, yeah, we'll do any of those songs you want. Yeah. And then since I haven't written as many songs, he's been pretty good about just, yeah, let's do your song, this song that, that yeah, you yeah. wrote. And, and so we really haven't kind of butted heads about, you know, no, I don't like that song or I want to do this song and you don't. And then, you know, it's been, it's all flowed really, really well. And now, now we just have too many songs because I've right. liked too many of his songs and, and then we've added my songs. And right. so we never know what to play at our live shows or yeah. here. <laughs> I'm talking with Dan Frischette and Laurel Thompson. They're a duo based in Santa Cruz, California these days. He's from Canada. She's from Santa Cruz. They make beautiful music together. I keep coming back to that, but it's really, really true. And I have Thank to you. say that the um, having, you know, Dan, this is, I guess, more for you, like, uh, you know, because we share the same instrument, we play guitar and yeah. we sing, and some harmonica. And I'm just like you, Martin I, guitar. Just like you, I've tinkered with mandolin and banjo and bass and percussion and yeah. chord organs and and melodicas and like. And I get bored, so I'm, I like to do lots of different things. Like I haven't, and I'm not sure I can ever sell all my stuff like you did because oh, I was tough. To I, I don't know if I could ever bring myself to do that. Yeah. My girlfriend probably feels very sad about that sentence because we have too much stuff. In any case. To have a complementary instrument like as powerful and strong and easily portable as hers, like must have been a sea change for you as a musician and how you wrote your songs. Like once you met, did you start writing, thinking about her parts being there? No, I, I don't ever write songs that way. I write songs that are just, you know, um, there's no rules and I'll just come up with songs that, and, and some of them will, will be songs I'll never play live. There's some songs that one day I wake up going, man, I feel like, country music today and there'll be like a country song and there'll be another day I wake up and then there'll be like a blues kind of feeling in the air so it's just kind of like that you know like writing different songs and 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 some of them like I'd say if I write 10 songs there'll be maybe three that are really good that I'll play much later in life and there might be one where I say yeah I'll run that by Laurel and see what she thinks because there's somewhere there's a, a certain feeling where I'm like, yeah, I could imagine Laurel. So I, I tend to think that way after the song is okay. written. I, I, I just want to write. And so that's more of an arranging thing. Yeah. Those are delineated for you where yeah. writing is its own thing and arranging because that's everyone's different how they go about that. Like mm -hmm. I was talking, I interview people every single week and I'm always fascinated about how everybody's got their different little way of going about it. And even, even within a one person or group of people, they don't have one way. Yeah. They have several ways they go about it. I mean, I can only speak from my own experience where it's like the moment... Like before the song is even done, I'm hearing and I'm thinking about snare sounds, wow. like specific microphones on specific types of snares and specific, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I, I can't, I can't not do that. I mean, I wish I could just sit and like hammer out the song. You know, Dan Byrne is. Yeah. I He's love Dan Byrne. I had Dan Byrne on the show a year ago in December yeah. and he, you, you guys remind me of each other a little bit because he will write song after song, after song, after song, after song. Whereas I mean, maybe He's it's awesome. Maybe it's a hindrance for me because I'm thinking about all these details from the mm -hmm. get go and it gets in the way, you know, like, okay, I'm, I'm writing this song. I'm like, well, should I leave? Is this a guitar solo song? Is this song, does this song need, because some songs need, a complementary instrument to balance out the other side of it. Mm -hmm. it. It seems to me that I notice that stuff immediately. Like I'll be writing a song and going, yeah, this is like, first thing that I zero in on is what is the genre that would suit this the best? Cause genres are interchangeable or right. feels and whatnot. So I'd be like, okay, this is a bluegrass song. So right away I'm thinking I do have a producer 
type of mindset. Uh-huh. And I'm thinking of like, wow, that banjo would sound really good on this song. And then I'm going to put a little bit of mandolin, but it won't be doing any solo. It'll just be chopping. And yeah, then yeah. the bass will be, you know, coming in and it'll be a muted bass because you don't want it to be too long, right. drawn out notes. So all that stuff, I think, just kind of happens naturally. But I prefer to think of it more when I'm recording them. And then when I'm doing my recordings, it's like it all just kind of comes together. And I find the interesting thing when I was recording my, all those records is I'd, <laughs> I I was doing this where I, I would just record songs. And then I'd be recording a song and go, that sounds kind of bluegrass. Okay, I'm going to put that on the bluegrass album. So I would right. put it in the folder on my desktop on the bluegrass album. It would wind up in there. I'd sequence it later. But it was like, okay, if I've spent uh, three, four, five days recording one song, when I'm done and I'm saving it for the last time, I'm going, okay, which album I'm going to put it on? Because I was recording three or four albums at once. So I'd be like, okay, I'll put this one into that record. It's going to fit there better than this place. And you went by genre. And then, yeah, I was thinking a lot about that. I think a lot of people would rather buy a record that it, it has a genre to it. Yeah. You know, they they want to buy it. Like I have a record called the Dixieland album and it's all these just crazy out there, funny songs like grandpa was a spaceman and all these kind of funny songs. So I think that, yeah, like I would want people to listen to that. And then if some song came in from new disguise, the, the next album we, we got coming or the album we got out now, it would be so jarring. It just yeah, wouldn't yeah. work, you know? Yeah, well, that's just it. You know, certain instrumentation also lends itself to certain styles of songs, you know, and that's when you have a big palette, you know, and and I think I was just talking to someone, someone I had on late last year about limitations and how building limitations is like intentionally into what you're doing can help focus you then. Oh, yeah. You you can Mm -hmm. say like, okay, like I'm only, you know, it's an exercise and especially writing is like a muscle. Yeah. You have to work it out. Like, okay, today I'm going to write a song, but it can't be longer than two minutes and 10 seconds. Oh, yeah. Or today I'm going to write a song and, you know, it's going to be third person. Yeah. You know, because you have to force yourself out of the thing. Tom Waits always says his hands are like old like, like old dogs. They just do the same things over and over and over again. So he always tries to smash it apart and, and force himself into do something different. You know, and I, I totally, you know, advocate that sort of behavior. Anyway, yeah, it's I'm talking creativity to, all the way. It, it is creativity yeah. all the way, yeah. you know, and it's and just because it's creative doesn't mean you don't work at it. That's the thing. It's the thing that people sometimes forget. Like you creative know, pe- sparks are like are like mixed emotions yeah. coming together. Yeah, and same with diff- disparate you know points of view or disparate thoughts. And with Laurel, it's been really great to co-write with her because she's coming from a completely different point of view lyrically, and so it's been really great to bring that into the music that I'm thinking of. You know. Yeah. And, and it feels like it just happens naturally. And I, I'm, I'm kind of guy that I'm an advocate of not forcing too much. I just let things happen. Uh, it seems like all the songs that I'm still playing from 1990s are the ones that were just happening. So I tend to work with that a lot and go with intuition and, you know, feeling it out a lot. And uh, you know. They come all different ways. Yeah, they sure like do. Like some songs you really have to, they just show up fully formed, boom. Oh, and then there's Saturday then, Night will Be Rocking where actually that song I wrote the the chorus chords in Golden Gate Park in 2002, jamming with a bunch of hippies. And then I wrote the verse in Germany and Stuttgart in 2001. So it's like I had these different parts completely. And then all of a sudden one day I'm like, wait a second, these two separate songs, which took a long time to write, could be put together. They're really one song. And suddenly they became Mm -hmm. one song. I've done that. All right, you're musicians. Play music for me. Sure. What's next? <laughs> All right. Well, this is a great segue from what we're we've been talking about. Okay. It's called a new song of beauty. <laughs> okay. One that Dan wrote, but I I've been singing, 
And uh, yeah, it's just about that kind of the muse comes in and it's beautiful and profound. Yeah, and then you send it out to the world. Yeah, indeed, and then it's then it's everybody's. It's not yours anymore. That's my yes. favorite moment because it's awesome that moment. <laughs> other people, other people have other ideas about what the song is really about, and yeah. people have asked me about my song. So what's that song about? I'm like, I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> I have the foggiest idea. All right, Dan Frechette and Laurel Thompson on Independence Day. Sang a song quickly, it came from a mountain, came from a mountain, and it laid in the sand. Out of the great nowhere, a new song was singing, I felt it inside me going out to the land. She wasn't a sad song, or one I could hold on, was a sweet melody. A plain truth to me She stayed in my heart And I heard it forever Was in my last moments Before I would sleep Ooh, ooh sing a new song of beauty Ooh, sing a song to feel through me song of beauty When sadness blew through the life I could not tame with the people so wild with their sorrow and pain I felt the song shiver and bring me back to beauty the beauty I'd heard and felt were the same Ooh, sing a new song of beauty Ooh, sing a song to feel through me Ooh, sing a song to be with me Ooh, a new song of beauty Passes through days long together The nights are so silent While the dead reach the sky I'll always remember This new song of beauty It'll always sing in me Till my heart runs dry Ooh, sing a new song of beauty Ooh, 
feel through me song of beauty Ooh, a new song of beauty My name is Joe Armstrong. Drop by indepday.com, I-N-D-E-P-D-A-Y, to hear lots of really, really fantastic musicians who I think you should listen to. And Dan and Laurel, welcome. Thank welcome you. to being you, part Joe. of this whole thing, man. I've been working really hard at this. I'm glad you guys are along for the ride. Yeah. Uh, you've got a brand new record out. Every song, your live song you're playing today is from this new record. Um, tell me, you know, the first record you did, you must have been pretty new together at playing this. So... These are like 18 songs out of your yeah. 75 million that are on, <laughs> we, we on went the on first the, record? Well, we went on the road together uh, starting in March 2013. And then uh, by the time July came, uh, what had happened is Laurel had her EP and I had a solo record and we were selling them on the road. And so many people were saying, like, do you have a record with the two of you together? So what I'd done, we'd done this. We, well, we, we, <laughs> we, we, dubbed, we dubbed this CD full of all these... All um, the overdubs. We overdubs. put that... We were... As a bonus. In, in BC. Yeah. And giving these out as like when people bought the CD, we'd be like, we'd get that's them right. That. I think we were in Alberta and we're like, okay, so many people are asking us for a CD with both of us right. on it. Which is logical considering yeah. that they're seeing the two of, of you. Of course. They're like, what CD between these two sounds like what you just did? And we're like, none of them. I would have made up I would have made up some elaborate story if you yeah. put them on two CD players and you play them at the exact same time. Yeah, yeah that could have worked. Walk it along with Clockwork Orange Clockwork Orange. It, it I mean, we sense. were playing songs from both of those CDs, but yeah, neither right. of us were on there. I could have said, well, Dan was the guy that was playing on mine, but it was Scott Nygaard. Right. He's an awesome guy. I'm not going to lie right, about right, right. that either. <laughs> so that's And what he happened. had awesome people playing on his CDs. So, so wait, so you, you, did you take stuff that she had just sent you tracks and yeah. then just kind of mixed them? And well, then these were all the that? overdubs that we had practiced to okay. and created before we really met. So we were in a, in a hotel room, I think in Alberta, and we went and went to, you know, office depot or whatever, and we got a spindle of blank CDs. And so we, we made all of these overdub CDs and people loved those. Like they're like, okay, well I'll take that one. then. Okay. <laughs> so by the time we got back from that tour, that was a really long tour. We kind of, we really pushed ourselves. I think it was almost seven, eight weeks. Yeah. We were in Western Canada from Manitoba out to British Columbia and back. And so then when we got back to Winnipeg, uh, just the stars aligned that we would have a beautiful sounding church to record in for free. We would have one of Dan's friends who builds mics kind of for fun and has some really good kind of engineering skills in that department uh, would lend us all of these mics and preamps and stuff like that. So we pretty much got off the road and we had about 40 songs that we really liked playing and were in all of our shows. And, and from those, we maybe recorded about 30 of them and whittled it down to 18 that went on the Dan and Laurel okay. debut CD. And we, we did that all of our, all, all on our own. And, and then we did get it mastered. So you by really, someone, but, what you're telling me is you had like a pre-release, like homemade disc, which yeah. were the overdub ones. And then you went and took the same songs. Yeah. And then actually recorded new versions of them based on the cool stuff, like the, the magic after, that had happened while you were on tour. After we'd been on the road for like right. 30 shows, you know, which is yeah. really good to, like, I think every band should do that. You know, you come off a hot tour, 
you've maybe tried out a bunch of new material for the audience and you see which ones are causing sparks and then you come home and record those songs. Yeah, yeah it was tight, like just a know? couple of days later we were we were recording. We were exhausted, but at the same yeah. time we were it's really f- amped still. It's so, a funny moment because you know? you've, you've hit the nail right on the head. It's yeah. exactly what is it. It's that weird sweet spot because if it's a really big tour, I always think of John Mellencamp because he, is, he hit so big in the 80s yeah. and was huge and had a big band, a very musical band. And he came off the road from the Lonesome Jubilee tour, which was the biggest tour he'd ever had. But they had, just like you said, they'd had all these songs. They'd been playing, you know, in rehearsals and sound checks and like new stuff he'd been writing. And then they, as soon as they got off the road, they did Big Daddy, which was the next record. And it's, it sounds so great, but you know they were exhausted because mm-hmm. they're, they're crack tight hot from having been playing so yeah. every night for so long. But yet they're wiped. So there's this weird moment. I agree with you. I think mm-hmm. it's a good time to record an album. My Nobody cares what I think. Is hearing about <laughs> Bob Dylan calling his band in on Blonde on Blonde at four in the morning yeah. to do like these songs, <laughs> and you know, like that's an interesting quality too. Like when people are so tired, yeah, they just take on this other kind of profound kind of sound. You in know? some ways, I think it can be easier to just get in the zone and not have so many, you know, critiques of yourself and stuff. And we just wanted to do it live off the floor we just set up the mics no overdubs no overdubs no nothing right no overdubs no edits i mean we were we were sitting or standing you know a few feet from one another and and so we just we just had to do it right you know so now contrast that right i'm gonna jump in contrast that with the way you've done the new record okay the new record we've been like really enjoying this because we have some local community build up um uh some folks who've seen us around at some uh you know local gigs of some other bands we walk in and we play a few songs because they invited us on stage and these folks are great musicians in this other band called uh hen house sherry austin and hen house and uh we've become friends with them and these are a santa cruz band yeah, yeah. so we've talked to them about like hey as about you guys come in because we reason well, really why we started it... talking about <laughs> was that um a lot of festivals these days um they we we sent out our cd last year and like a lot of festivals i believe they want to hire someone that like they want a band you know right so we thought well i i I would love to have like a fuller sound on this record you know have a little bit something different and so there's a couple people that we're talking about with sherry austin and henhouse and they're really good players and they said yeah sure let's go in and Try so it we, out. So we basically yeah. took the rhythm section from another okay. band because they're already used to playing <laughs> with one yeah, another. Yeah, yeah. For years. And um, and then a really awesome pedal steel player, uh, Patty one Maxine. Of my and, favorite instruments. And Patty she's, Maxine. She's is awesome. Amazing. I mean, she's um, a much older woman, but you know, so vital and Spunky. like long white hair <laughs> and and really amazing at what she does. So she's recorded a little bit and then. Um, yeah, Tracy Parker and Jimmy Norris on um, bass and drums, respectively, and and yeah, so so we wanted to have about half of the record be something that we could get festivals excited about, right. and then the other half, since we do a lot of house concerts and listening rooms, and at the duo. end of the day, we're mostly going to be a duo yeah. at this point in time, anyway. Uh, we wanted about half of it just to be us standing you know maybe right. not in the same room but looking through a window in a recording studio at one yeah. another <laughs> but um but still basically we've done it for the most part live off the floor with with okay. very few overdubs and and it's still very i mean we got the whole band in there to to do many of the songs just 
live right there. And so, so yeah, we're just trying to make it sound really real and, um, you know, good acoustic sound and, um, yeah, that's been our focus. And we've been up there in the Santa Cruz mountains at Bear Creek. Sounds terrible. Recording studios. Sounds awful. Well, actually it took us an hour to get back to our place one night because, uh, this big storm that was moving through and it's like fallen trees and, you know, normally it would take maybe 15 minutes to get down the mountain, but we had to go this whole other way. So it can be a little bit treacherous, but it's a really nice relaxed spot to be recording. Adversity brings out the best and the worst in humanity. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. A lot of that going around. So, so we, we're almost out of time, but I've got one really, really interesting question for me, at least, that I want to ask about is like you, you know, you have two different countries working here in terms of this. And now, Dan, you've relocated here, but you were playing shows in Canada. And then, yeah. and then Laurel, you were, I mean, you were playing shows with him up in Canada. And Dan, mm-hmm. you were playing shows with her down here in the States. Like, how, like, speak to me of A, like the differences between the two. Like, when what, our audience is different. Oh, yeah. Our venue's different. Do they treat you different? And then, or yeah. differently, I should say. And then, secondly, um, we touched on this just a little bit before, but like the, how complicated is the red tape? Like we talked about the form before, <laughs> but like you've actually relocated here, yeah. which is a big step. Like yeah. they, they put you in the box and they give you some shots and stuff. Like, speak to me, <laughs> speak, first speak to me about how different they are and then touch on a little bit like what you had to go through to get here. Well, I think my experience in Canada has been very positive other than the actual border of Canada and the U.S. But yeah, the people in Canada going up there, um, especially that first tour that we went out from Winnipeg out to to basically Vancouver and, and Vancouver Island. And, and just so, I mean, there's a lot of diversity in any kind of country, but in general, I would say just throughout Canada, we found really... Um, just quality audiences and not that the U S doesn't have quality audiences. We found those as well, but it just felt like, like people were just really friendly and maybe, um, up there they don't have quite as much kind of traffic and bands coming through all the time. So, you know, I, I saw a lot more people buying CDs and, um, signing up for the mailing list, you know, and, and really valuing that. So that was a really cool experience for me coming from the States. Yeah, my experience, it's kind of funny, but I, I did this circuit of Western Canada for about four years and uh, love it. And I built up this circuit and I basically omitted all the crappy venues. So I would never have to subject her to oh, nice. playing some so bad I got place. to come in and so it's all get the, all the nice venues. All the A-list <laughs> joints. And, and it's funny, cool. but we were up in Northern Vancouver Island and we're playing this show and the audience there was just so into it and so appreciative and been like, oh my God, it's like people are actually strumming instruments in front of us. Wow. And I talked to a guy after and he was a tree planter who'd just come from like way up north in Yukon and he hadn't heard any music for four months. So it was like that. And then when you come down here and you play, people here are amazing because like last night we did this show in LA here and it was just like such appreciation, such amazingness. But there's still people saying to you after they're saying, yeah, we went to go see, uh, you know, like Van Morrison on Tuesday and (laughs) B.B. King on Wednesday kind of thing and Neil Diamond on Thursday. And now we're coming to see you. Yeah, it's it's kind of different. It's it's different. It's like I find that down in the States, um, certainly in California, there's a lot of people talking about uh, like they're referencing other players when after the show. And so we kind of look at each other and it's like, is it? that we remind them of, of those other bands or is it just that 
those are the real bands that they're into right. and they think we're kind of cute that we're trying to do this as a career or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't, but I, wouldn't, I don't know. I wouldn't shortchange yourself though because no. I mean, the thing about LA, there are so many musicians. Yeah. So those touchstones are a way to find common ground. Like exactly. I hate asking people like, you know, and I'll ask you guys the same question. Like, okay, you, how would you describe your music to someone who's never heard it before? Oh, it's so hard. And everyone, it's the, hard. The, but, yeah. the, but the simplest thing to do is go, well, it's a little bit of Van Morrison yeah. Yeah. with yeah. a touch of the Red Hot Chili Peppers <laughs> mixed in with the Ramones and Rachmaninoff, right? And yeah. then people can kind of draw their own conclusion from that, what that is and what that might be. They mean can have something to run with a little bit. And, right. But yeah, yeah, but here in LA, everyone plays and everyone's very, I mean, I shouldn't say everyone, that's a blanket generalization, but people are more music, musically educated, more savvy about yeah. different styles. They've come here to be creative. Yeah. yeah. You know, which isn't to say there aren't very creative people in Omaha or Amarillo or whatever. But, you know, the people people go to places like New York and yeah. Nashville and Los Angeles and Chicago and places where art is, you know, is a fertile turf for our, it to grow. Our first experiences in L.A. Um, in the last little while have been amazing. Like, I really like it here. I feel really there's like a really good synergy between what we're doing and there's an embracing of our what we're offering which is just beautiful and yeah I mean, it's pretty cool for a city because i mean we've played some cities portland so and easy. san francisco and nashville and dc and austin and where else lots of other yeah. major cities and and some have been more receptive than others, yeah. you know. And so far, L.A., is, as far as a city, we're like, gosh, everyone always talks like, oh, God, L.A., especially from Northern California. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. The Northern Californians have a big chip on their shoulder They really LA. do. I love L.A. And I've just, I mean, I haven't been down to this area much in my life, but... To be honest, the experience of I, I have had certainly with Dan, but even before that, haven't really been bad. So yeah, you know, it's funny. I mean, coming from a, I'm an outsider too, coming mm -hmm. from the Midwest, and you know, I kind of have the same feeling about San Francisco that I have about Chicago, my hometown. It's like I, in some ways, I like it better there, but I'd still rather live here mm -hmm. because I hate cold weather. I'm oh. just gonna lay. I can't deal with it anymore. I'm yeah. from an area where I, you know, I don't ever want to see an ice scraper again if I can help it. <laughs> but that's my own personal little cross to bear, and I, I have put down the cross. I'm done with that kind of thing. Checked out. Yeah. I know all about cold weather, and I know where to find it. I know where to find it if I want some. Yeah, well, and it, just in California, you can find very cold weather indeed. if you really want to go find it. <laughs> totally. Like we're, I said, I know where it is. We're about to do a 40-day tour of Western Canada oh, in yeah. January and February and March. So It's beautiful up there, though. Yeah. Mountains. Mountains mountains, and snow are okay. Like, flat and snow, not so much. Northern anyway, BC is great. That's British Columbia. British Columbia. All right, just making sure everyone's up, <laughs> yeah. up, up to par. Okay, we've just, we're almost out of time. I want you okay. guys to play one more song. Okay. But before you do, give me the short version about, like... Again, we talked about that red tape a mm -hmm. little bit. Like the cross, we talked about the audiences being different. Mm -hmm. But okay, well, here's a side question. Which border agents are bigger jerks? Oh, they're, they're it's so just tough. So far, you know? we've experienced much more problems with the Canadian Really? Side. Going into Canada? Yeah. And, and actually, the process of, you know, us deciding, you know, we don't want to be constantly going back and forth and trying to... Uh, book as many shows as possible in order to just be able to stay together. Right. Um, that was getting really tiring. But just figuring out where we would be, looking into, you know, would I go to Canada? Would he come here? Right. It's much more challenging to go to Canada from what yeah, yeah. we can tell and, and what we've experienced. And certainly in music, um, up until very recently, actually, 
Um, both, I would say, were about on par as far as how easy it was to get across the border. But then Canada made it a lot more challenging, which made my process a lot more challenging. And to the point where we were even split up and I couldn't even do a tour with Dan, a whole you know, another 20-day tour we'd booked up in Canada, I was turned back at the border. Um, but shortly thereafter, Canada has actually repealed some of its laws in the last six months or so. And so now it's uh, a lot easier to go to Canada and and tour and and so and now dance down it. here yeah. Yeah. um so so we're hoping that we'll kind of get the bo- best of both worlds okay. and we'll be able to stay warmer for most of the year and then yeah, yeah. we'll be able to still go to canada and well, enjoy all together, the awesome like, people and and just to be together is the biggest beautiful thing really yeah, yeah. Well, welcome to California, Dan. Thank you. Thank you very <laughs> nice much, here. Joe. I love it here. Yeah. It's like a paradise. I know. But you know what? I tell it's everybody really all the nice. time, California's closed. We don't need any more people. <laughs> yeah. Stay it's away. It, Stay it's away. Great. It's great, but I really like, you know, I've been all over the U.S. and even back to 2005 and four, and I love all of the U.S. I love West Virginia. I love North Carolina. I love like so many spots. And I mean, I... I like it everywhere, like up in Duluth. I took Laurel to Duluth on our last tour, and just Duluth is pretty cool. So do you still have Canadian health care? I do, yeah. But the thing is, is I think that there's all kinds of things you got to... He would have to actually go back to Canada right. in order to yeah to get I, it. It's not <laughs> worth going across the border for a Band-Aid. No. no. <laughs> well, actually, from here, it'd almost probably be faster and cheaper to go to Mexico. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. But what a sorry state of affairs we've got going on with that. That was right the now. one thing, yeah. It's like, okay, how are we going to get the healthcare thing happening? But Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, laws are always changing. So that's another thing. You know, we just have to kind of always have a plan B in our back pocket and yeah. be ready to, to change gears. Well, if, you have, you are that CA. You've already got the Canada part covered. So you're always good if you need to go there. All that's right. true. Yeah. How about that last song, guys? What's this <laughs> yeah. next one going to be? This last song. Well, this last song is It's a New Day. It's a New Day. How appropriate. So, yes, it all all flowed very well there. Enjoy, everyone. (laughs) Dan and Laurel on Independence Day. It's a new day. Here's to the straight paths. It's a new day. Nimble heart and skates to smooth your ride It's a bit view Here's to the blue skies It's a new day I'm glad at thoughts and wonder all around Falling see the beauty of my sky Landing see the nest I hold dark hour, let me shine a light on your lonely trail, coming through my door, it's a new day. It's a long life. Here's to the sweethearts, it's a new day Some time to share and friends to walk the mile It's a bit view 
Final and beautiful time, Dan and Laurel on Independence Day. Thank you guys so much for thank coming you, out here. I know you're on the road. It's hard to find time to get people to stop in when they're on the road. So thank you for thank taking you. the time. Yeah, it's thanks been great for getting us. to know you. You Please too. Let us know what uh, what you're up to next time you're in town. I'll let people know that you're here. Yeah. Uh, and keep making beautiful music. And this this new record, people should pick it up. It's on CD Baby. Correct, yep. and you sell it at shows, of course. Yep. yep. Uh, you guys do house concerts. You guys are playing theaters. You guys are playing all kinds of stuff. Full time music beautiful things. So, thank you very much to Dan and Laurel, also to the Independence Day staff, Valentina Rivera, Dale Tanksley, Wayne Topinski, and Sally Shackleton. The wondrous Tony Tonlo Piscotti manages the Independence Day website. Independence Day's theme music was composed by Great Lakes Myth Society for Independence Day. As always, I am Joe Armstrong. If you do anything, please be good to one another.